of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're speaking with the new Immigration Law Clinic staff attorney, Lauren DeRosia, and she's going to share a little bit about her background and where she's going to be working on this semester here at Albany Law. She just started this summer. Before we get to it, though, our reminders, as always, here at the top of the podcast, keep up to date on everything happening here at Albany Law School by following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If you like this episode of podcast, you want to hear more from us here at Albany Law, you can subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. And if you are coming to campus, make sure you're up to date on all of our COVID-19 policies. If you go to albanylaw.edu, in the top ribbon of the page, there's a COVID-19 button. Click on that and you can see the latest about our policies here at Albany Law. Enough from me, though. Let's speak with Lauren. on the Albany Law School podcast here with Lauren DeRosier. And uh, Lauren, if you just uh, introduce yourself to everybody listening to the podcast today. Hi, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, Lauren DeRosier. I'm the staff attorney in the Immigration Law Clinic, the Justice Center here at Albany Law School. And I am so excited to be joining you on the podcast today. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on here. You just started back over the summer and getting into your first academic year here. What have your thoughts been so far on getting started in the Justice Center? It's been really great. I had a nice slow introduction um, with some remote work over the summer, but I'm really excited to be back in person and just meeting everyone and having 3D colleagues again. It's been lovely and warm and just a really warm welcome. Like we said, you're just starting with us here. And if you would just walk us through what your responsibilities are, what your roles are going to be, what your day-to-day life here at Albany Law is going to be. Yeah, so I'm excited to find that out as well. But (laughs) um, I'm the staff attorney with the Immigration Law Clinic. So in the Immigration Law Clinic, we represent clients with the student on a pretty wide variety of immigration issues. So we have had asylum cases, special immigrant juvenile status cases um, for um, unaccompanied minors um, and children, do cases for legal permanent residency or green cards. We also have done appeals in the past. So if things don't turn out well the first time, um, there are options to appeal. So we've worked on those habeas cases as well, and then a variety of criminal immigration issues. So all sorts of immigration questions, relief, and I work on those. I help the professor, Sarah Rogerson, who is the director of the Immigration Law Clinic, manage the clinic projects. Um, And then also I represent the clinic clients. In addition to all of that, I also provide consultations and technical assistance to attorneys at other organizations and also pro bono attorneys. And I work with other immigration organizations and coalitions on important immigration issues um, and things that are happening in our region. But you're just starting out here with us at Albany Law, and that kind of begs the question is, why Albany Law School? Why was this the right fit for you? So I am from upstate New York. Um, I grew up in Columbia County. I went to high school in Troy, and I 
recently moved back to upstate and I'm really happy to be home. And I was looking for my next career opportunity. And I was just so excited to have the opportunity to join such an amazing law school clinic and such an amazing law school where I could continue my work um, in immigration, but also merge that with my interest in working with students. I have had a little bit of experience teaching last year, and I love mentoring. I have had a variety of mentors over the years, and I was really looking for an opportunity to kind of merge my interests. As soon as I met Professor Rogerson and the people at Albany Law School, I just knew that it was meant to be the warmth and the respect that everybody has for each other here is, I think, something really special. And it was just something that I knew that I really wanted to be a part of. Why was immigration law the right fit for you? Is there a particular background or particular passion that you have for immigration law that drew you to the position? I started becoming interested in immigration law Um, through my work working with LGBTQ survivors of violence when I was a law school intern. I had been working with LGBTQ um, survivors on some asylum cases and an application for relief under the Violence Against Women Act. And that was really my first, those were my first experiences doing immigration work. Before I'd gone to law school, I'd had some kind of related experiences with immigration. I taught ESL to some refugees, and then I'd also done several years as a volunteer on a domestic violence hotline. And those experiences really demonstrated to me how big of an impact immigration has on so many areas of people's lives. I had gone to law school to pursue a public interest career, but I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be in immigration. I thought that I would be doing something more in the realm of LGBTQ rights and working with LGBTQ violence survivors. As a queer person, I knew that I really wanted to serve my community, but I didn't really have a definitive idea of what that was going to look like. But then as I continued in my legal career, I realized how critical immigration is and just how important it is for people to be able to access appropriate immigration counsel. The immigration system is incredibly complex. So many people don't have the background that really enables them to follow it. And so many people need help with it. So it it really felt for me, like if I'm going to dedicate my life to doing public interest work, immigration was an area where I could have a really big impact. And that's really been validated every day that I've done this work. My clients are really they're the most incredible people and they've really made everything worth it. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that I've had the opportunities I've had so that I can be the best attorney I can possibly be for them. Um, And that's really always my goal. I wanna be the best advocate I can be um, so that my clients can get the best outcomes. We try to focus on the law more than politics a lot here on the podcast, but there's really no break between politics and law, especially in the last maybe five to six years in the United States with the previous administration and their views on immigration. And it was a front and center issue, of course. And since President Biden's taken over, it seems to have shifted gears a little bit. But as an expert in this area, as somebody who works in immigration in this field, what are some of the bigger issues that you see in the next, I don't know, year or so when it comes to immigration? 
I think that immigration is still a very large central issue. Um, and I think that there's still so much going on that I don't know if I see it ebbing at all. Under the previous administration, immigration law and policy were really in flux and they were changing on like a daily or even hourly basis sometimes. And a lot of those policies are still, we're still battling them. So in just the past week, we've seen policies that the previous administration had imposed on immigrant communities and on the immigration system that caused like real harm to people involved. Some of those policies are coming back through in a couple of court cases, and they're really having a very large impact on both the Biden administration's ability to um, wind down those policies, and then also the people who are affected. For instance, the Biden administration um, has been trying to wind down the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy. That was, the formal name of that was the Migrant Protection Protocols, um, or MPP, um, and they created pretty much insurmountable barriers to asylum seekers along the southern border of the U.S., um, the border with Mexico. And it required people seeking asylum following the legal pathway that is outlined um, in our immigration law. It put them in a position where they were forced to pursue their asylum claims rather than from inside the U.S. Instead, they had to pursue those asylum claims from Mexico. It created de facto refugee camps along the southern border that put very vulnerable asylum seekers in very precarious, incredibly dangerous positions um, that really exposed them to horrific Horrific, horrific things. Just last week, there was a decision um, that enjoined the Biden administration's wind down of that policy. And then subsequently, the Supreme Court halted that injunction. So we're still seeing these policies getting litigated and the wind down getting litigated. So it's still very, very active. And we're seeing other policies kind of similarly be litigated. So things are still changing daily. We are still seeing a lot of work happening right now with regard to the people who are trying to flee from Afghanistan. That has been a really big issue in the past couple of weeks um, and just trying to figure out immigration solutions for them. That has been something that immigration advocates have been working on a lot. And I think that that is going to continue to, to be an issue for a while. There's also still a lot of progress that can be made while we have the political will to do so, including, you know, creating a pathway to citizenship and creating real immigration reform. Um, I think that there's a lot of effort to keep pushing that through. So that's a very long-winded way of saying, I think immigration is still a major issue. I think it may just have pivoted a little. And a lot of what's happening is maybe not in the public eye quite so much because it's instead of the, the kind of like headline grabbing policies that the previous administration was issuing, it's kind of the less glamorous fallout of that. You're describing so many different areas and things that are going on. What can somebody do if they're interested in either helping the clinic or just helping make a difference in immigration 
just some regular person at home or maybe a law student, what are some of the options that they have that they can get involved and help? There are so many opportunities for volunteers. So many of the immigration organizations are are desperately in need of volunteers. We can always use, you know, translators and interpreters. So anybody who speaks languages other than English should definitely think about volunteering. But everybody, you don't need to you don't need to speak a second language. Um, everybody can help. All of the legal services orgs and immigration organizations always need volunteers. Um, and that's a great way to get involved with your um, local communities is to find out who's in your area and, and start volunteering. Even if it's you know not the fanciest job, making copies is often a really valuable asset. And then attorneys who want to take on pro bono cases are always, always, always um, such an integral part to helping us serve as many immigrants as we possibly can with um, getting status and with immigration issues. We're so happy to have you on board here and helping out with this area that, as we've been talking about just the last couple of minutes, there's so much need in this area. But before you came to us here, I saw you were part of the Bard High School Early College. Can you tell us more about that, about that school, what you worked on there? Yeah, so last year, um, I was the Judith S.K. Teaching Fellow with the Historical Society of the New York Court for the 2020 to 2021 academic year with Bard High School Early College. I got to develop and teach a course both semesters on immigration law in New York State. And it was just this really incredible opportunity. Bard High School Early College, or BSEC, is a really incredible part of the Bard Early College system. So Bard College in the Hudson Valley has really been a leader in expanding access to college education in a variety of ways, including not only their Bard Early Colleges, but also with the Bard Prison Initiative, where people who are incarcerated in certain prisons in New York State can actually pursue a Bard degree and get a Bard BA diploma um, while they are incarcerated, which is incredible. So I did not teach with with that, but I am a huge fan and a product of the BARD system. And I'm just really always excited about the many initiatives that they have in expanding access to education. BARD Early Colleges allows younger people to pursue college degrees without waiting to graduate from high school. And there are a variety of models within that system. But the one that I taught at, Bard High School Early College, is a really innovative partnership with the New York City Department of Education that allows um, students who would be attending a high school in New York City to pursue a college degree for free while they're at that high school. So when they graduate after four years, they get not only a high school degree, but they also get an associate's degree. So they are two years ahead in their education, which is really, really great. My fellowship was just so fun. Um, It was such a great experience to teach some really engaged, incredibly bright young people about New York's place in the immigration history of the United States. We got to explore some really interesting ideas and pieces of history that really aren't 
examined that much in most places in education. And it was very interesting because so many of my students were really interested in becoming lawyers. Like they wanted to pursue law. They were really interested in becoming immigration attorneys, or they were maybe interested in becoming immigration advocates. So many of them were from immigrant backgrounds themselves. So it was just a very cool experience to be able to teach about New York, about immigration history, about immigration law, and then also to learn from them too. It was a really wonderful experience. And as we do our homework here on the podcast, we found out that you were also a member of the New York City Anti-Violence Project. And it's just another organization that seems that begs an explanation and what you did with them and what their goals and mission are as well. I first became involved with the New York City Anti-Violence Project, or AVP, back in 2014 as a law school intern. So for my 1L internship, I was their inaugural uh, legal intern. Their legal department had just started up. AVP, um, the Anti-Violence Project, or AVP, is an organization that seeks to end violence against LGBTQ communities. So it was started in the 1980s after a rash of hate violence incidents in New York City against queer people. And it's kind of grown and continued to this day and is now the largest LGBTQ anti-violence organization in the country and has a whole bunch of programs. I, after my initial 1L internship, I continued to volunteer and I took some pro bono cases from them. And when I eventually transitioned from public or from private practice into public interest, I started working in 2018 as an Equal Justice Works Fellow there. My project was designed to serve LGBTQ and HIV-affected immigrant survivors of hate violence. After my fellowship, I stayed on as a senior staff attorney, and I expanded my practice to cover LGBTQ immigrants who had experienced other types of violence, including intimate partner violence. The majority of my clients there were transgender women from Latin America. I represented clients in a ton of different types of immigration relief. I did a lot of asylum, some U visas, some T visas um, for survivors of trafficking, relief under the Violence Against Women Act for people who have experienced intimate partner violence. I also did a lot of holistic support for my clients. So I did a ton of name changes and also divorces and criminal court advocacy and all types of different ways to advocate for my clients. I also did a ton of trainings there for pro bono attorneys and other legal service providers on LGBTQ immigration issues um, and how those interfaced with other civil systems. Because I think while there's broader LGBTQ awareness in our culture now, I think it's still really important to have deeply educated legal service organizations who really understand, you know, not only what the law is and how it, but also how it relates to the LGBTQ community. Well, one big part of our relation to the Albany Law School community is the Albany Law School podcast lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? I sure am, Ben. All right, here we go. We try and keep it a little more fun here in the lightning round, so don't feel obligated to answer in a lightning fashion. I saw you can speak some Spanish. Uh, I'm sure that's very helpful with a lot of the clients you work for, as you were mentioning, a lot of them from Latin America. But was Spanish something you learned before you were interested in law or something that you picked up 
when you got into your practice area here working with these different populations? Both. I did an immersion program both before and after law school. I think immersion is, if you're not going to be a native speaker, um, it's kind of the second best way to go and is very effective in actually getting you to the point where you can actually speak a second language. Um, I took Latin when I was in school, which is not useful for what I do now. <laughs> Since you've been here at Albany Law, I know you said you were a native capital regioner, but what have you learned about maybe Albany Law School or Albany in general that maybe you didn't know even being a native from the area? This is a really hard question, but this is less about the area, but more about the atmosphere. But I really love how collegial and generous everyone is here. I have just been so blown away by how kind and warm the Albany Law School community is. What are you looking forward to most this academic year? I'm really looking forward to getting to know the students in the clinic. I really love to mentor people and I love helping people find their own interests and paths. I'm very excited and looking forward to getting to know the clinic students this semester. Last question here on the lightning round on the podcast, always the same question. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Albany Law School community? I've had a very warm welcome and I just want to say to the broader Albany Law School community, thank you so much for welcoming me. I am so happy to be here. And please don't be shy. Please feel free to shoot me an email, stop by and say hi. And um, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you all. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the Albany Law School podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ben. Take care.